0: Why do we make music? Okay, so here we are beginning our journey around the world. We've thought a lot about things relating to the physical properties of music and what actually makes something we hear music instead of just noise. Here's the most important question though. Why do we even have music? Why did humans develop music? What is the point? The oldest instruments in the world The oldest instruments in the world that have been found so far are two flutes from a cave in southern Germany. One is made of bird bone and one is made of a mammoth tusk. They are between 42,000 and 43,000 years old. If you think about the distance in time between us and when the Egyptian pyramids were built, These flutes were made that long before humans developed agriculture. It is even possible that humans developed music before they developed spoken language. Another mind-blowing fact to think about is these flutes are actually rather sophisticated instruments. In order to make them, people had to know musical notes and they had to know how to bore holes into the tusk in the right place to make the correct musical notes and to not shatter the bone or tusk. It makes a lot of sense that the first musical instrument was the human voice because you don't have to create instrument-making technology to have it or use it. Singing with your voice is really different than developing a vocabulary of musical notes and the technology to make instruments. What all of this means is that these first instruments at 42 or 43,000 years old were developed much later than human music evolved. So music is really old and incredibly ancient. Why did people make music? There have been several theories about why humans developed music. This is a fascinating question because music appears in all cultures in some way, shape, or form, but does not directly give humans an advantage for basic needs. To answer this question, we're going to look at some information from Dr. Anuradha D. Patel, who has prepared a series of lectures for the Great Course's learning platform. His lecture series is called Music and the Brain, He has also written a book called Music, Language, and the Brain. So how does Dr. Patel answer this question? He offers us several theories. One theory is that people came up with music because it's fun and entertaining, and they were bored, or just accidentally stumbled upon something cool and kept doing it and complicating it. Another theory is about moms and babies. Most apes have long fur allowing their babies to hang on the mom by holding on to her fur on her stomach or back. Since humans don't have this trait, maybe singing was a way that a mom could keep her toddler from roaming too far away. There is another theory though, that is really important. This is the one we are going to hold on to for our class. We can understand it by looking at an experiment done on random groups of children. The experiment paired up random children to do some sort of activity together. Some of them played memory games with cards that are set out face down and then turned over. Some of them did other activities and others were given clapping rhythm games to do together. Afterwards, the pairs were given an activity to do by themselves, but they were in the same room together. The activity involved picking up a toy from one end of the room, carrying it across the room, and playing it with it alone. Except one toy was rigged to fall apart, while the child who picked it up was carrying it across the floor. So what researchers found was that in the groups where the children had previously played rhythm games together, the child whose toy had not broken was much more likely to stop and help the child whose toy had broken, even though they didn't have to and it didn't affect whether or not they could complete their own task. The point is, music creates community. What music does in all cultures is to bring people together through a shared experience that goes beyond simply talking. It strengthens a feeling of community. In order to survive and thrive, people have to be able to work together and they have to feel united to each other. Culture versus society. At this point, we need to now look at some important differences between commonly used words, culture and society. To do this, we're going to lean from ethnomusicologist Michael Bacon. Dr. Bacon has spent a lot of time studying the music of different cultures. In Dr. Bacon's text, World Music, Traditions and Transformations, He points out the difference between culture and society by using the following two definitions. Edward Tyler's definition of culture. That complex whole which includes knowledge, belief, art, law, morals, custom, and any other capabilities and habits acquired by humankind as a member of society. Society. A group of persons regarded as forming a single community of related interdependent individuals. Societies are usually imagined communities. Members may or may not know all the other members, but they share a connection to one another through certain ideas and social institutions. To think about these definitions, let's consider some examples. People in a society could see and know each other, like members of the Orange County Organic Gardening Club, or members of the Chinese Chamber of Commerce of Los Angeles. They could also feel connected to each other even if they've never met, because they have a shared culture and or shared interests, like members of the International Chess Federation, or members of the Trollope Society. Society is the actual group of people who have some sort of bonding connection to each other. Culture is the set of tools we have developed to work together in society. If we are imagining people sharing a meal, culture includes the rules of etiquette for how people use utensils and actually eat so that they are seen as good meal companions rather than rude or gross or ill-mannered. If we were in person and decided to have a meal together, we would be the society. Sharing food instead of grabbing food from the plates of our classmates would be part of our culture. It's a behavioral tool that helps us get along in society by avoiding arguments at the meal, and also by showing that we could be invited to share future meals, especially if we can also provide sparkling conversation about world music. For a less imaginary example, we are all members of Second definition of music. We have already established the first definition of music sound and silence organized in time to create meaning. Music exists at the intersection of sound and culture. Basically, culture determines if sounds are music or noise. When we put these two definitions together, we get the following. Meaning in music is determined partially by the actual sounds and partially by how that piece of music functions in the culture. Notes have meaning in relation to each other. For example, if you sing the song Frère Jacques, the notes have a relationship to each other. Some are higher, some are lower. Patterns of notes repeat or repeat, but slightly higher in pitch than before. Notes have meaning in relation to their function in culture. If we take the same song, Frère Jacques, it is understood as a nursery rhyme. A children's song used in many cultures to teach singing and speech. It would seem out of place or even offensive if a musician played it for a wedding or laughable if they played it at a formal concert. Let's explore this idea a little further. What happens if a composer takes this little children's tune and creepifies it? By changing the notes to the minor scale so it sounds sad and extending the rhythm so that it is very slow. That's what Gustav Mahler does with this nursery rhyme when he writes his Symphony No. 1, based on a Japanese woodblock print of a dead hunter being carried out of the forest by a group of animals. Mahler was struck by the irony that usually the hunter would carry animals he had killed out out of the forest. But in this picture he saw the animals are carrying out the dead hunter. In order to express this irony, he turns what his audience would easily recognize as a children's song into a creepy funeral march. This is a good example of how a composer used the way notes have meaning to each other and how they have meaning culturally. If you want another example, listen to Carol of the Bells and how Danny Elfman creepified it for The Nightmare Before Christmas in Making Christmas.